0: welcome to sons of a gun a podcast all about the dc universe i'm alex gunn i'm justin gunn and i'm pete also Gun. last name Gun, and again, for legal reasons, we can't mention who our father is, but I nope. think
2: you know who it is. You get what we're doing. We're triplets from a father that we can't say the name of. Wink, Gunn. Yeah,
0: but we are actually going back in time here. We are doing a rewatch podcast for Shazam! Exclamation oh. point. Hey, original release date, April 5th, 2019, directed by David S. Oh. Sandberg. Screenplay by Henry Gaiden, story by Henry Gaiden and Darren Lemke. The reason we're talking about this is because leading pandemic. into James Gunn's new DC Studios universe, we still have a couple of movies that are going to be coming out that may or may not tie in in some way. One that is coming out next week is Shazam Fury of the Gods. Oh, okay. Mm, yes. So you wanted to watch mm-hmm. this
1: first and make sure
0: it that it makes I'll a lot of that. sense. Exactly. Out. Yes. So we are watching this first or re watching this first. Here's what I think we should do just to start it all off. Let's talk about our experiences and thoughts about Shazam. I definitely had some very specific experiences with it that we'll get to in a second. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'll just tease that right here. But Justin, this was actually your first time watching it going into this, right?
2: Yes. This rewatch was a watch for your guy, JT. Well, uh, Welcome to the world, buddy. Welcome to Shazam, and I half thought that when I said the word Shazam" lightning would strike uh through my ceiling and into me, but it did not you do have a lights going
1: uh, going behind you there i you know I was looking yeah. for them to flicker at least when you said it. Mm.
2: That's me, too. Believe me, I I still believe. Uh, so I, I haven't I hadn't watched the movie before I'm watching it for this. And, you know, uh, I, I liked <laughs> some of it more than I thought I would. So, like, it was de- definitely a positive viewing experience. Mm-hmm. And Pete, wow. I think you're a pretty big fan of this, right? Am
0: I wrong? Well,
1: well, here's the thing. Like the the first two times I watched it, I had a great time. Uh, This time, not as much, um, but Hmm. I still think the ending of it really kind of uh, I feel like it nails the ending in a way that kind of makes you walking away with a better feeling. Because while it was happening, I was like, "Oh man, I I, I don't remember this dragging as much or feeling like as weird." Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, by the end, uh, it still it still gets me a little bit when the mom's crying, I'm crying, and then you know, I feel like it nails the landing. Just bit. out of curiosity, and by the way, for anybody listening, we're going to get into the actual plot of the movie in a second.
0: But mm-hmm. Pete, did you see it the first two times in theaters, and this time watching it at home, or yes? Okay, yeah. so maybe that was the difference there potentially. Mm. Yeah, maybe, For yeah. me, I saw it in two thousand nineteen. It was one of the first big superhero movies that I took my kids to see
1: and I Oh yeah, the whole asked online beforehand. <laughs> Well, and the, the people is never going to lie to you. People online are always going to No, but here's say, the thing. Trust I them. asked yeah, trust I, yeah, I people, they're like, oh, wig, wig. No, I asked you know, my film
0: reviewer friends who had seen it in screenings, and I was like, Don't hey, is this them. appropriate for kids. And across the board, what everybody said is they're like, oh, it's like a great 80s family movie. That's what it's Horror like. Horror movie. <laughs> it's like a yeah. great 80s family movie. There's some little scary parts, but nothing more scary than you'd expect from a family movie. I was like, okay, so that sounds good. Took my kids. And starts pretty dark. Starts pretty dark with the first scene being a car crash caused yeah. by a small child who is rejected by a wizard who watches his father, John Glover. Basically, almost bleeding to death on the ground after the car right. crash. So I was like, "Ooh, this is this is rough." And I remember very distinctly sitting in the theater, looking over my kids, being like, "Are they okay?" And they were Uh-oh. definitely making some it, mistakes. But, yeah, <laughs> ask, asking some questions about this. So I was like, "Okay, dark first scene, questioning your loyalty to your friends, the villain here. It's fine." Then for anybody who's seen the movie, you know, a couple of other things happen as we meet the main character, Billy Batson. And then it flashes back to Billy Batson being lost by his mom in a very realistic way in the middle of a carnival. And again, Uh it's very
1: clear rewatching that that the mom was like
0: not looking for that child out of there. Absolutely. But at the same time. Again, lots of questions for my very little son at the time being like, "What? what's happening? Why is this happening? <laughs> Can that guy? happen to me, yeah. Dad, I was already, I was already me out incredible. of the theater at that point yeah. to teach you yeah, a you lesson to about, there. yes, this guy. I hope
1: you gave him a compass before you left.
0: So that was rough. But that wasn't the most rough part of the movie. The most rough part of the movie, the part of the movie that I have not been able to forget in the intervening four years since it happened, is the, board the room boardroom scene. boardroom
1: scene, yeah. Yes, yeah. where Savannah comes
0: in, so- <laughs> Throws his brother out the window. Throws his brother out. Like doesn't
1: immediately. His brother goes first out the window. Yes, and brings and they, out they really the linger.
2: Seven... They really yeah. linger on the board, rest of the board members being like ah. Like there's not, they're not so... funny
0: scared. Realistically no. scared. Yeah. And <laughs> you get the seven deadly sins, which are very like they're CGI, but they're very like the Ghostbuster Devil Dog type thing. Like I feel like it's oh, the yeah. same mode and. I understand in retrospect what people were saying, because if you watch a movie like Ghostbusters, it's not necessarily that there's violence, like there's implied violence, some scary things happen, but it's mostly off screen. Here, one of the seventh deadly sins on screen straight up bites a guy's head off. People are screaming and sobbing as it happens. This is the point in the theater when we saw it that my children literally started screaming and <laughs> sobbing and going, take me home, take me home. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. Take me home. <laughs> oh, and my God. For four years. With some regularity. I don't know why it keeps coming up. And they keep being like, hey, remember when you took us to Shazam and it was the most hard When horrible you thing we've ruined our time? lives. Yeah, yeah, when you ruined our childhood. Yeah, so that is it is hard to watch this movie without recognizing that it was legitimately a formative, traumatic experience for both of my children.
1: When you were watching that scene, did you find yourself looking down? The kids weren't there, just like I. I, Yes, I viscerally like I felt it in my body while I was watching this time, (laughs) even though they weren't there.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, it's playing in their minds on a regular basis, like whenever they just about to fall asleep, uh, Mm -hmm. so that they're always watching Shazam in a way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's funny because you picture w- the way you describe that. Um, my brother, we went to a zoo with the family. And my brother was like, oh, look at this thing. It's called the Arctic Blast. You get stuck in a, like a wind tornado. And uh, it's all oh, look at this cool air that's blown over. And the kids are like, you're basically locked in this sealed <laughs> (laughs) thing uh and the kids were like yay this is fun and then they're like pounding on the doors being like let us (laughs) out like it goes so horribly wrong because they realize they're trapped in a wind tunnel and they can't get out uh yeah that's that's horrifying this
2: movie is like a child prison, really. <laughs> <laughs> the thing cuz I thought I can't believe you had that experience Alex because watching this I was like this movie goes way harder than it needs to on the dark stuff, especially yep. when it, it's the rest of the humor and stuff is so like goofy, light. like yeah. very mm-hmm. light. And it's just mm-hmm. it, it's just a weird mix and it, it confuses who the audience is for this. Is the idea that the audience is like Arrested Development adolescent (laughs) 30-year-olds? It's old (laughs) Zachary Levi. I mean, it's a DC
0: movie, so sure. There you go. I I do think, to your point, a couple of other things that I'll call out here, and I know we've just jumped into plot points, so apologies to anybody. Spoiler warning, I guess. But uh, other things like them going to the nudie bar multiple times, my kids had questions about that. Double Santa cursing and screaming and the whole jokes about Santa not being real. We didn't necessarily have that problem since we're Jewish. But at the same time, watching this, it was just like, like you're saying, Justin, is this collaboration of is this for teens? Is this for families? Is this for adults who are, you know, don't want the rest of the DCEU? Not 100 percent sure here. And it's unfortunate because it detracts from the stuff that does actually work pretty well. And one of yeah. the things that I'd say works pretty well is it's pretty true to the comics uh, written by Jeff Johns. I don't remember where they netted out on this. I know he was involved in some way at this point with this movie, with the DCEU. But watching this movie, my big takeaway this time is it reminded me a lot of Girl DC Girl on TV, mm. just in terms of like. That sense of whimsy, yeah. but also sense of darkness that they had in the
1: first season. Curious if yeah. you guys got the same reaction.
2: I agree. I very much agree.
1: Well, you gave me flashbacks to that haunted little kid. Uh, that one season that was the scariest fucking thing, and he was kind of like that ghost season monster two uh, who would like, disappear and reappear and stuff. So. Oh, and uh, yeah.
0: sorry, before we get too deep into it, I did keep promising to mention the plot of the movie in case anybody yeah, has watched that, right? it for a while. Good, good, good. So in brief, there's this kid named Billy Batson. He's an orphan. He's looking for his mom. Uh, he is taken in in a group foster home by two very kindly people with very kind kids. He wants to immediately leave, doesn't want to be there. But at the same time, there's clearly some goodness in him. And after he saves one of his foster brothers, he ends up getting taken in by the wizard Shazam, who's been attacked by this guy, Savannah, who was rejected, as we mentioned earlier, by him for the power uh, and has been searching for this power this whole life. Savannah has released these seven deadly sins onto the earth and is going to wreak havoc. So Shazam needs his new champion. He becomes Shazam, which basically grows him into what is supposed to be the idealized adult version of him, but is actually Zachary Levi in a muscle suit. And then he tries to figure out his powers, which are shooting lightning from his hands, lightning from his hands, and doing uh, other Philadelphia stuff. He uses it mostly to make money at first, and then ultimately realize Mm -hmm. he has to help out his family. And by the end of the movie... Everybody in the family has Shazam powers. Savannah is beaten, and we get a tease at the very end there that Savannah might team up with Mr. Mind, a deadly, evil, super-intelligent worm. So that's the rough plot of it. The comic book stuff really... Uh, I, I dug it more this time being not sitting yeah. next to my kids because the Mr. Mind stuff, very goofy for the comics, but they nail it. The Savannah stuff, I think we could talk about it in a second, but like particularly the stuff with the kids feels like it's pulled straight out of, it was uh Gary Frank and Jeff Johns doing the comic, I believe. And it feels like it's that on screen and that works for me.
2: Uh yeah i i thought this movie has the comic book stuff i think they get really right the look of the movie is really well done there are certain moments i'm like this is like an alex ross cover to a shazam book hmm. uh when he's in fighting meeting with savannah and fighting savannah in the rock of eternity like there's a point where he's crouching shazam's crouching down and i was like this is straight off the page and i love that and for Uh, A superhero movie It looks great It's like well shot The CGI is pretty good throughout There's a lot of dust Really it leans into dust being evil here So maybe (laughs) Well dust is evil
1: I mean come on Mm -hmm. man
2: yeah. It's where this the seven deadly sins really live. If you look mm-hmm. at Too dusty, mm-hmm. you got some wrath and envy. Uh Well, that is just what they are. Your corners.
1: Wrath,
0: envy, dusty, sneezy and doc, right? Uh, that's at least yeah. five. A couple
2: short, but yeah, yeah, I, don't know. I can't count. <laughs> but those yeah. are them. Yeah. My, my biggest, my, de- biggest sin, <laughs> my biggest sin is doc. <laughs> my biggest sin is not being able to count
0: properly. The uh, just to throw out about the seven deadly sins. They seem very generic to me, and that kind of bummed me out a little bit, particularly on this viewing, where, like, they get some mileage out of the fact that Envy has been hiding in Savannah the entire time, and ultimately Shazam brings Envy out by making him envious, which makes a lot of sense. But the yes. rest of them, other than Gluttony having a big, you know, mouth in his stomach. I mean, that was pretty cool, though. That, that was, was cool. S- but uh, you can just tell moms- who Gluttony was. Exactly. You can tell who Gladys is. You can tell who Edby is. But the rest of them, they're just monsters, you know, and it doesn't feel like they do enough with them, I think.
2: I agree. It felt, it felt like this was a, a CG limitation. Like they couldn't differentiate them too much because it would have been a ton of extra work. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, I see from a production reason why they did it the way that they did it. But Plus, it would number- have been cool to have a more dif- differentiation in just the color of them.
1: Yeah, but it's also like one of the things where like they do test screenings. Nobody's going to be like, you know, I would really like more lust in this. You know, (laughs) there wasn't enough uh, gluttony. I would have like, you know, so uh, it's. Come on, let's be fair. There's one pervert in the
0: back who's asking for that.
2: Okay. Yeah, fine, and his maybe. name is Alex Zalben. <laughs> I speak to
0: every test reading like this uh, needs a little more lust, and I'm like, sir, this uh, is Toy
1: Story four. Yeah,
2: yeah, and stop yeah.
1: twirling your mustache like that. We have warned you numerous <laughs> times. Yeah, yeah. I I I want to talk about Darla and how cute and amazing she is. Okay. Every time I see this movie, it's the one thing that is just like uh absolutely fantastic i mean the fact that billy batson would get a hug from her and not immediately fall in love with his family is a little off-putting to me yeah, because he's hardened I, uh yeah that melted my heart i don't know uh how i could have gotten to, not gotten to him
2: that's crazy because i got you a darla hug for uh your birthday this year oh my god you're gonna really it's gonna hopefully soften you up a little bit and you can join our family
1: so
0: she's played by Faith Herman, and I agree. She's pulled straight out of the comic book. She's great. And in fact, all the kids are great. They don't really necessarily get all equal time. We don't find a lot, a lot about Pedro, for example, necessarily. Um, yeah. But they do feel like the bones of this family unit is there. Mary gets a little bit more time, and she's very good. But again, she she's, she's very oldest. side mm-hmm. to the narrative. Mm-hmm. And this gets, not to air too negative, because again, I I think other than traumatizing my children, which I have a little bone to pick there.
2: And you're great at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're killing
0: it. I'm pretty even about this movie. I think there's a lot of elements going on, and none of them really get the proper amount of time to fully develop. The family is one of those where it feels like emotionally it sort of skirts the top of Billy being like, oh, I don't have a family. Well, here's a family. I love this family more than anything. And that's yeah. kind of where we get. And we're we're missing some in-between points there. And that ties into what I was saying just before in terms of all of the kids, where they have the idea of arcs, but other than I think Freddie is probably the best one because yeah. he gets the most scream time. We get a really he gets good fingered. sense. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about, but ugh. <laughs> nobody else does. <laughs> yep. Tom Green movie. Just to clarify, that's what Peter got finger, to, not yeah, yeah. The other thing, the Freddie never the other thing. By the way, yes, thanks, right. Pete. Thanks for clarifying and taking a hard stance there. Freddie has now. A good who's the pervert arc. in the back? <laughs> <laughs> Pete's there, right next to me every time. Yeah, no. Nope, I say exactly. hey, more lust, please, and he's like, mm, yeah, me too. Anyway. Freddie has a good emotional arc, the rest of them don't. That was my point.
2: Well, mm-hmm. and I will say knowing the we're familiar with the Shazam Lee through the comics. Uh, oh. so we sort of saw come, yep, saw this <laughs> coming a little bit. But I think it's such a nice reveal if you are didn't weren't aware that they all have become Shazams. That mm-hmm. that's such a fun moment in the movie when he uh Gives that he sort of solves the wizard's mystery and gives them all the powers of Shazam. That's it's such a great, even though I knew I was still really charmed by that. But I agree with you about their arcs. We don't get enough time to really meet all of them. And when they become so important, I was like, Oh, yeah, they're big now. I wish I knew what their personalities were when they were little, (laughs) so that I could like them when they're big. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) But the Darla part with Santa is hysterical. And Darla really comes Santa. through. Yeah, and it's like, she's like, oh my God. You know, like she's kind yeah. of starstruck by Santa. That's a two-second amazing moment. But Yeah, still that's, that's a
0: tribute to the adult cast that they cast as these people. I yeah. think that's Megan Good, who is very funny oh and even she's like great. the scat role, And Ross Butler, who shows up as the adult... Ethan, is that the name of the character? Eugene. Uh, Eugene. Ross Butler as Eugene. There's just like... This quick shot after he gets the muscles where he's looking at himself, he's like, That was very funny. It made me laugh. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get more of them in the sequel, but I think, like, they did a good job there. The absolute best one, though, the perfect casting of the movie is definitely not Zachary Levi. It's Adam Brody as the adult Freddy, which is right. Perfection. Like absolute perfection. Like the matchup of those actors is great. Adam Brody is great and hilarious. And you can really see the connection between the younger actor and the older actor
1: there. I gotta feel like it's Darla and then Freddie, but I'm with you on that. It's pretty it's pretty good.
2: Number one Darla fan. Well, and I think it speaks to the emotional imbalance in the movie. Like we're talking about a little bit where like so much of it goes hard and the moment where where Billy goes and sees his mom and we have to deal with this excruciating story of how she like abandoned him on purpose. And this and he immediately clicks over like I love this other family now uh, so much. And it just feels like that's such a heartbreaking, like icky feeling that you have while you're watching that. And then to go into this other side where it's such a bright moment for this family getting superpowers, I was like, let's just see set that up a little bit more rather than make us suffer. Alongside. Also- we already know that Billy had a rough go of it. We don't need to suffer so much alongside him, I feel like. Yeah, and
1: what's crazy is, like, they don't even let up on that. Like, the fact that he hands her the compass and she goes, what's that? Is so I much am, worse. Like, you could have at least been like, she could have been like, oh, you know what I mean? The fact that she, it meant nothing to her was so much worse, and that's why he's, like, walking away, like, down the hall crying. I was just like, you guys no, I, could have I, let I, us off the hook a little bit there. Like, it was I, so bad. I think bad. you can
0: see a little bit of the screenwriting logic there in terms of why yes. doesn't he want to stay in this great house and the reason he doesn't want to stay in this great house is he wants to go after his mother that is his main yeah, that's goal that's the thing main, that he yep. wants and the only reason he would not go with his mother and instead go back to this house is if she was the worst person possible so that's mm-hmm. what they set up there but to your point it does lead i think we're using the phrase emotional imbalance a lot but it does lead to this thing that is just hard to watch and it's hard to moderate i i I, what's the name of the guy? Uh, Asher Angel, who plays the young Billy Batson. Nothing yeah. against him, but that is he's a, great. He, he's very good. He it's good. A re, particularly with the comedy, I think it's a hard emotional pivot going from, uh, I am emotionally destroyed by my mom to, gee whiz, I love you guys. And yeah. it just it doesn't work. Um, one thing oh. I do want to ask about that we haven't actually got into yet is the other side of Asher Angel, which is Zachary Levi. He is absolutely one of my favorite anti-vaxers. I'm um, sorry, actors. I always, <laughs> oh, I, always, yeah, I, always, wow, I always mix up those words. Uh, what do you guys think about him? Oh my god! <laughs> well,
2: um, before you did that bit, I mean. Well, I just a little a background on that. Um, he right when the press tour started for the new Shazam movie coming out, he put a, a anti-vax tweet up. And it was like, yo, dude, there's so many times you could have put this up and put your beliefs out there when people would have been like, that's weird. But it would have gone by the wayside. He finally has this movie to promote. And he drops <laughs> that. huge thing. think the people who work at Warner Brothers must have been so pissed about that. <laughs> they ran over to his
1: house, immediately threw his phone into the ocean. Uh, it it sucks uh, because like before like uh, you know I'm a sucker for a rom-com so Chuck uh, I thought he was fun in Chuck and it just sucks that there's this other thing that's keeping me from enjoying his uh, um, performance here you know Uh, but uh, I think that as the kind of like wide eye innocent new guy with powers I think he does a great job of that you know what I mean Um, it's just too bad all the other bullshit is kind of ruining it.
2: Well, and I think uh, we're we're sort of orbiting the idea here that this movie maybe across the board has an immaturity about it. I think for the script, there's a little bit of like, it sort of feels like it's written by kids where it's like, yeah, that's emotion there, sad. Or like, why don't we have it blow up? And it's like, okay, well, we don't need it there. And we're not dealing with the actual stakes and ramifications of these moments. And uh, Zachary Levi feels like... Uh, immature in that way where you're like, Oh, I see why you think this is funny, but it makes me like you less when you do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's a little bit of, there's a, there's something about him that is uh annoying.
0: So yeah, a couple of things about that. Uh, I mean, first of all, to be straight up, I have always found Zachary Levi, like nails on a chalkboard for whatever reason, there's something about his delivery. And like you're saying, Justin, he just feels like he's trying so hard to be like, I'm the funny guy in the room. Yeah. He, and, I find it uncomfortable and annoying, so I was already kind of against him going into this. So having almost nothing to do with his beliefs, I already didn't necessarily love it. Uh, but I do want to say something that I think like ties into what we're saying, and to actually back up something that's Zachary that I said on this recent tour, uh, he was talking about how he feels like Shazam is the Deadpool of the DC universe, which everybody lumped on him for. I kind of think based on what we're talking about, he's right in a certain yes. sense. Like it's not Deadpool and it, it's not – it's not Deadpool because he is not Ryan Reynolds. Like Zachary Levi – I don't want to put words into his brain or anything, but Zachary Levi wishes he was Ryan Reynolds. And, <laughs> well, he does. Like Ryan Reynolds has a very – as annoying as he can be, has a – like – perfect delivery on jokes like he knows how to yeah. sell a joke just naturally and zachary levi doesn't have that so it's sort of like i don't know
1: 50 to 60 percent of a dentist well i mean it you know you're comparing a, a, a kind of different styles a little bit i mean there, i want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I felt were funny Like the line where he goes like before before
2: we move on on to that, can I talk about the Deadpool thing for a sec? If you're going to talk about that just so we don't lose it, Um, because I agree that it's a similar thing. It's just coming from like the opposite side. Like Ryan Reynolds is like winking, knowing like I I'm inside this superhero thing and I'm letting you see it, too. Uh, haha. Well, it's the opposite with Shazam. He's sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing, but isn't this weird? So it's yeah. still pointing at stuff and, and calling out superhero and action movie tropes. But Ryan Reynolds, it's a little more winky and and cool and you're sort of keeping up with him. And with Shazam, it's like you're a little bit past him. You know what I mean? From a comedic point of view, you're like a little bit ahead of the joke, but he's still making it from that point of view. That's all I wanted to say because I, I agree they're similar, but just that one little difference makes it taste different, I think, when we watch it
1: yeah I do I do think it's it's a, a, a different kind of style for sure I also like the the when they're just sitting on the rocky steps and he goes, Sick view, I can see why Rocky works so hard to get up here It's just a throwaway <laughs> line, but it's it's funny. I thought that that was a good a good line yeah. and also when he's like running in the toy store and he throws the Batman figure at him and it's like i'm batman i mean that's that's pretty funny
2: funny that when he runs across the big piano, I was like, ooh, that's a smart mm-hmm. reference that they didn't mm-hmm. overplay. They just yeah. did it rather than being like, look, it's the piano for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just exactly.
1: doing chopsticks.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: One is uh, another character that we should probably talk about is Mark Strong as Savannah. This is the second time that he's played a villain in a DC movie. He previously was Sinestro in the Green Lantern movie with none other than Ryan Reynolds, who we were just talking about. Mm. This is another example, and I know we're lumping on this movie a lot, but, or at least I'm lumping on this movie a lot, but he does a great job. I think this is another like half-baked emotional arc that really struck me this second time through watching it, rewatching it, where there is a very strong connection between Savannah, who wants power at the expense of his, albeit terrible family. Versus Billy, who wants to leave this great family so that he could be with his mom, etc. So, like, there's this vague theme of families running through the whole thing. But the fact that it ends up with the, uh, I don't know, moral or whatever it be, being like Shazam beats him by tearing out his eyeball and, you know, just catching it before it falls off of a building versus. Anything to do with the lessons that they learned over the course of the movie about family or appealing to his emotional side or his family side or something like that, that core is missing there. It feels like there was a connection that they started with at the beginning and they're like, yeah, they both uh, have deals with their families, right? And then it just kind of
1: stops there. So so what you're saying is uh, family matters is what you're saying.
2: Yes. Did you do that? Did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, he'll he'll squeeze in family matters. Yeah, I'll he, tell you anytime. what, family anytime. definitely
0: matters to our dad, who we can't tell who he is,
2: but we yeah. can't. That's exactly. Yeah. But he, we get. That's why we have such a good relationship with him that exactly. we're secretly doing this podcast about him. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> I agree with you, Alex, because especially they did work hard to put these themes right there on the table. And then they ended up defeating him with the getting into the mechanics of how they beat him by like pulling his eye out and all that. When I feel like they did all the work to be like, look, I'm losing to you. And Shazam's losing to Savannah until he activates his family. And then his family helps him defeat Savannah because his fake family of demons isn't real and they defeat them easily. So like, it's right there. I'm just so surprised they didn't like give it that little bit of push to say it or whatever. Uh, Or
0: have a moment at the end where Billy tries to appeal to him versus just ripping his eyeball out and throwing him off of a building, you know, like some sort of sense of not, we're going to have the physical fisticuffs, but Hey, come with us. Be you know, instead of taking this power that is fake, because Billy does say that to him at some point. He's like, you know, this power is fake. This isn't real. They're trying to use you, please. But it does appeal to him earlier on in the movie. But in that final fight, I feel like there's an opportunity there for him to try again and be like, there's a better way. And or,
2: or even if if it's like his family, the Shazamly doesn't leave him. Family doesn't leave you. If the demons abandon Savannah, leaving him alone, and he's like, he that that sort of hammers the lesson home. Like, and yeah, it, if they move on to, like, to find
1: what you, yeah. to find
2: another champion or something, right in the last moment, right before Shazam's about to punch him, the eyeball leaves him, mm-hmm. and it's like, look, see, you should you didn't learn the lesson, and then mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been. Combining the action with the themes—not to rewrite it here in the moment, but—but but yeah, it—it it, it, it was very close.
1: I I agree with you, but the fact that we got the suitcase wedgie callback because you know that, that that didn't happen, I kind of more for that though.
2: I I love to, to to bring that up because some characters we really have to talk about are the bullies <laughs> because <laughs> the, they're emblematic of I'm like does the people who made this movie know people in the world <laughs> there there are so many characters in this movie I'm like what the foster home uh, woman who's like Hey, I have to tell you this, but your mom doesn't love you. I was like, yo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a harsh talk. Cool it, lady. It's not your job to say that. Well, and, and then also, the the, just
0: a real note, quick note about the foster home lady. She apparently is a character from one of David F. Sandberg's other films, which is weird. That oh, that is weird. That he just brought that into the DCEU. But anyway, go ahead, Jessica.
2: And have her say a line that is like... Not at all connected <laughs> to reality But the bullies in this movie are so Intense about bullying They have they bully above all And they're always together when they're riding the Ferris wheel together I'm like you bullies ride the Ferris wheel together <laughs> I think <laughs> I think you love each other yeah, the Bullies date. ride the Ferris wheel together I mean it's kind of beautiful The fact that the bullies have nunchucks I was like you bullies drive this badass truck That you refuse to park without Jumping over the curb Okay rebellious, and then he has nunchucks that (laughs) comes out of his back pocket. Well, I I do think,
0: Justin, I understand what you're saying, but I do think for a commentary point, we need to go to Pete LePage, a person who owns nunchucks. Take it away,
1: Pete. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, personally, I felt very seen when the guy just <laughs> casually had nunchucks on him. I was like, you goddamn right. I mean, who's walking around without chucks is what I want to well, know. That,
2: that mm-hmm. brings up a question for me. What's a nunchuck worthy event? What, what places are you going where you got the nunchucks in the back pocket?
1: Well, uh, I mean, you know, if you're looking for trouble, you're going to have them on you and then have them visible. You know what I mean? So if you're a bully, I think the back pocket is a very logical choice.
2: I feel like I've never seen nunchucks used effectively. They're mostly hit into your own face as a nunchuck.
1: Well, you got that. It's a it's an art form to learn it. So you got to be very careful with it. You got to know what you're doing. You got to have some kind of training with it to know how to handle it. So you don't. It's very easy to hit yourself in the face or
2: worse. have and, you ever thought about having a, just a stick without a string connecting <laughs> the two so you could have control of what's happening with it?
1: Sure. Sure. But then it's a different it's a different weapon altogether. There's you a reason I mean?
2: Gandalf didn't have a nunchuck staff <laughs> when he was trying to stop the Balrog. You know what I'm talking about? It, maybe he would have survived if he yeah, had a nunchuck exactly. staff. Just saying.
0: Yeah. Should have turned you his nunchucks into some chucks. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Anyway, I did want to talk a little bit about setting up for sequels here. This gets back into the Savannah discussion a little bit because I do have a sense of like the way that they ended his arc was to set him up for that post credit scene where he's in an insane asylum or jail or whatever,
1: unclear. An
2: insane jail asylum.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a supervillain villain uh, jail, it seems like. Yeah, well, if, honestly, it Philly. looks like.
2: he <laughs> had a budget. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were in yeah. one. I met yeah. you were in one for a while. After right. that nunchuck incident where you hit yourself in the face with it, and they were like, take him to the insane jail.
0: Yeah, That's he's right. there with Mr. Mind, and uh, this doesn't show up in the movie. I actually had imagined it showed up in the movie, but it's a deleted scene. Uh, they did a deleted scene where they're sitting on those thrones, and they're like, hey, there's six of us. Who sits in the seventh seat? And there's a slow pattern on the seventh seat. And then Darla says, well, whoever it we'll love them completely. And of course, that's supposed to be a tease for Black Adam showing up in the sequel. That also ties into the fact that Black Adam was originally supposed to be the villain here until Dwayne The Rock Johnson was like, nope. I get my own movie. I'm going to do my own movie. I'm not going to be in this first movie just as a villain. We're going to well, introduce Black We don't know Black if Adam. they pitched him on it and he was like, no, this movie No, we actually not. know we that. we do they, know that. We do know that. Really? He, he was supposed to be in it. He is a producer on the movie, but he made the decision and said, no, I want to do a separate Black Adam movie. we got to introduce Black Adam first, and then potentially he could work into the sequel in some way. But huh. he is too big of a character to just be the villain in the first Shazam movie. So this is all a big way of saying I do think some of the slight hobbling of the Savannah storyline might have to do with the fact that they had to work around <laughs> the logical villain of the movie being Black Adam. And instead, were setting up a bunch of other things that may or may not happen.
2: Yeah, uh, agreed. And it's interesting, like, is Black Adam going to show up in this sequel? Is it a post credit like you don't think so?
0: it Maybe post-credits, except for the fact that his movie tanked and they don't want anything to do with him.
2: That's what I think, but I feel like that movie tanked. They really believed in that movie, and that movie tanking may have happened long enough after they were like, Black Adam's in this movie, that they didn't go back and take him out.
0: If it's sense. a post-credits scene, it's easy enough to pull that out. I'd also throw out there, not to get too much into backstage drama, but... Because Dwayne Johnson apparently made this power move of being like, we're bringing Henry Cavill back, we're going over everybody's heads, he's Superman again. Which of note, they couldn't even get Henry Cavill for the first Shazam movie because we see they got this-
2: his torso, yeah. Got his torso. The torso is great. Well, it's actually I mean, that
0: Zachary Levi's stunt double in the Superman costume who
1: shows up there. And it is a fun, I thought, it's a fun yeah. moment, especially the fact that you can that like milk is very prevalent was funny. I thought that was uh. Pretty well done. Ah, uh, yeah, I was totally focusing right. on the milk as well. Same thing. But mi- a <laughs> funny choice, Superman with milk. Come on,
2: <laughs> milk was very prevalent. I heard at the focus screening, you shouted, "The milk is very prevalent." Yeah, right. At the, yeah. They, they moved it up. They highlighted yeah. the milk. They put and an extra light on the it up milk. With
0: Andy Moore, lust, please. Yeah. yeah. You the... guys are the Staller
2: and Waldorf of these screenings. And oh, I got to make a change. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just to finish this up, though, there was all this drama about bringing back Henry Cavill. Dwayne Johnson basically forced him into the Black Adam movie, not forced him, but like over Warner Brothers head or forced the issue. And it was seemingly this power play to be like the future of DC movies is Black Adam. That's where it all kicks off. And meanwhile, in the background, David Zaslav, who runs Warner Brothers Discovery, was like, no, I'm working with James Gunn over here. We're doing this own thing. And now Henry Cavill is out. Black Adam is not getting a sequel, all of this stuff. So could he show up? Maybe. But I feel like they're done with him at this point.
2: Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Once you go over the heads of the heads and try to do something, and then they're like, well, we didn't like that. So that's not happening anymore. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense.
0: Yes. Uh, but what do you think, though? I mean, to get into sort of future speculation here, we have Shazam Fury of the Gods as of this taping coming out in a week, I guess. something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, what do you think? Uh, what are you, what are you looking wa- forward? Oh, yeah. You have more stuff about this movie, though,
2: Pete. Take
1: it yeah, away. I just want to say a couple milk more po- observations. Where things else did about, you see okay. milk in the movie?
2: Take it away. Yeah. Yeah. Where exactly. else was milk prevalent? Where is the prevalence of milk? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I, I just – I wanted to say the the uh, the ending with the credit animation and the music, I thought that was fun. I thought fun. that was kind of like a good exclamation point on the end of the movie. That yeah, I thought, just a
0: note but- about that. I saw that and I was like, wow, these people saw Spider-Man Homecoming.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Man, look at this <laughs> I did. I'm just
0: Googling to make sure I didn't get the dates wrong. But yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming was 2017, 100% ripped off the end credits there.
1: Wow. Great. I mean, you don't know that for a fact,
0: but... I mean, I can intuit it.
2: (laughs) And uh, on that note, you didn't see a lot of use of the um, Shazam family's last name, their actual last name. Mm -hmm. Marvel. Oh, yeah. Mary Marvel (laughs) is her name.
0: (laughs) Well, just to mention about that in case anybody doesn't know what Justin's joking about here. So originally it was Captain Marvel in the comic books due to rights. Structuring, Obviously, there is a Captain Marvel in Marvel, which I believe they did to—I never really understand this—but essentially be like—it uh, was originally a Charlton character that was taken over by DC, and they never registered it. So Marvel was like, well, we can register it. And then they took it away. So eventually, when they knew the movie was in development—it's been in development—it was in development for like almost two decades at that point—they rebooted— The character in the comics And very specifically Called him Shazam Occasionally they'll refer To him as Captain Marvel But for the most part It's Shazam And that's what they call The character
2: going forward And that's why the term Shazamly has caught on When it used to be The Marvel family
1: Yeah and also They were right I mean Thundercrack uh, Did sound a little Too much buttish You know to use So it was fun to use The Captain Sparkle fingers, And the, the way they were Playing with that Was a kind of a Fun running bit I thought Yeah Cool. Well, let's talk about Shazam Fury of the Gods then, which again,
0: coming out very shortly. What do you guys think? What are you looking forward to in
1: this movie? Are you looking forward to this movie after this watch slash rewatch of the original Shazam? Well, the title makes me think it's going to be light. You know what I mean? Fury of the Gods seems like a light, kind of fun, Rami-Kami kind of adventure. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that they learn from this movie but by the title it sounds like they're not so i'm a little worried about it Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: i mean i like i said i like this movie more than i thought i would i hope that they make continue to make it better maybe get a little more character development there from your main characters as well as just your random uh characters so that they feel more like real people and so mostly
1: up, Darla is what you're saying. Mostly Darla. Uh,
2: potentially. I'd like to see more of the the Shazamly there. I think they could be very fun. And I really hope I think superhero movies, the look of them has fallen off a lot in the intervening years. So I hope they continue. They keep up the um, sort of great. Look of the movie that they had for this first
0: movie. Yeah, I mean, one little worry is it looks like from the trailers they've amped up the danger and the CGI and everything. There's big dragons and things exploding and buildings turning and everything. Uh, the good news is they got villains in Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu who are great. I I, I yeah. would happily watch them murder those children if that's the way the movie turns out. Oh I guess wow! What happens. <laughs> wow! They you gonna your to <laughs> You're gonna take your kids uh, to that? Take your kids? Probably not. But uh, there's that part of it. The other part of it, and this is a very niche thing. I don't know if either of you guys or anybody listening out there has seen a show called Starstruck which is currently yes. on HBO Max. So the plot of Starstruck is it's sort of like a reverse, not sex-reverse Notting Hill where this woman meets a guy on New Year's. They hook up. She doesn't realize he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world, and they end up kind of dating and figuring things out. And over the course of the first season, he is in this big movie. I think it's called like Keys to Olympus or something like that. And Does she goes have the- a travel bookshop? Uh, no. Well, then she what the works fuck? at a movie theater, though. It's
2: great. Uh, you
1: Pete, this is apropos of nothing. You should watch Star Shark. You will absolutely love it.
2: A Travel movie theater's like a
1: or it's not a fucking Notting Hill.
2: <laughs> a, mo- a movie theater is like a bookshop, um, for movies. Yeah, for your mind. For your mind.
1: Anyway, what I was
0: saying was he goes on this rant when he sort of reaches a breaking point with this movie where he's talking about all the stuff in superhero movies and these big budget movies that make no sense. And he just shouts out the lines, something like, why do you need keys to Olympus? It's a mountain. You could walk up it. And that stuck with me so hard and is... Not Stuck. <laughs> it really Stuck did with like me because, so hard. Well, what a sense. Because I, I feel like there's these logical leaps we make when we watch these movies, and particularly when I've been seeing the trailer for Shazam Fury of the Gods, where they're like, we have to break into the underworld with this combination of things using the power of Shazam. I'm like, oh no, they need the keys to Olympus. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah.
2: So well, there there's so much of that. In superhero movies, like, for instance, in this movie where in the Rock of Eternity, the eye of demons is kept in a cage that and whenever anyone's hand touches it, it opens. (laughs) I was like, what? First off, put this in a box. Yeah, me <laughs> the <a> key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have a
0: crocodile door somewhere. Throw it to the crocodile door. Come on. Oh
2: man. Put it somewhere else. Why do you have your demons talking to your guests? I wouldn't have those demons chatting with the kids I've invited yeah. over to my. What? Don't put them in. A, the
1: demons.
0: Exactly. Put them, throw them through the crocodile door. You got. Put I, I want to push the crocodile door, but
2: it's right there. So, Seems come like on. you're pushing crocodile door. I, I, did I know. Like didn't you crocodile. add a crocodile door to your to your house, Alex?
0: I did. They're very hungry. I could hear them right now. So we're probably going to have to wrap this up quick. Any final thoughts on Shazam before we wrap up here? Pete? Uh, No. No. Milk is prevalent. Justin, was about Milk
2: is prevalent. Uh, A couple uh, moments. Obviously, um, there's a whole segment in the movie showing off the best power that Shazam gets first off, success on YouTube. Um, I, I think that's such a funny thing that we do a lot in movies, especially superhero movies, where it's like, look, the hero is becoming famous on YouTube. And I'm like, we cannot do that. There's just so many things where every superhero movie from a certain amount of time was made like no one had ever seen a superhero movie before. And I hope we're ready to move past that because we have seen all of them, Dude, um, and YouTube I mean, we to stay, bro. Yeah. I'm My not final saying thought, YouTube goes away.
0: <laughs> My final thought that I'll throw out there apropos of this podcast that we're taping right now is: this movie is much more heavily in the DCEU version of the DC movies that I remembered. Um, even though they don't show Henry Cavill's head, it's pretty clearly Henry Cavill Superman. They're pretty clearly like they have Batflex, Batarang in there, and everything I'm oh, yeah, talking about. Uh, They show off in the end credits, which Pete loved. They show off Jason Boboa Aquaman and Ezra Miller, The Flash. So like, it's very tied there. Given that James Gunn has talked about, oh, Shazam is kind of on the side, this is definitely not on the side. I'm curious how on the side Fury of the Gods is, if we are going to get that Dwayne the Rock Johnson cameo, if there are going to be other references, if they pulled them out or not. So that'll be an interesting thing to see.
2: Well, I think that points to whether or not – the new regime, the uh, gun Saffron regime, um, had any chance to sort of get their fingers in this movie and be like, you know what, let's but it seems like they sure. didn't
1: because they said perfect movie.
2: We didn't do anything. No, well, no. They they also, have- they
1: delayed it like a year and a half or something. So they've
0: had plenty of time to make changes, I think
2: and i do think when the when the original Shazam uh, came out it was just like well let's anything goes let's make all these movies part of all one thing even if it's like different bad people are do, hanging around in them and i think that's a big change that's coming under the new gun saffron regime uh, where it's like no no let's be very specific about what where this movie fits into the larger picture so i bet this fury of the Gods is going to be on the side uh, firmly and i think that's a good choice because like Shazam was never going to be if you're making superman and Shazam movies they shouldn't be trying to fill the same hole. It's weird. They're too similar from a power set point of view and confusing to the casual person who isn't a huge comic book head. They're like, yeah, look at that Superman with a lightning bolt. Cool new lo- shirt he's wearing. And it's like, <laughs> no, you need a little difference makers here. So putting this to the side. Yeah. But I will say also. On Sometimes the, you don't get to pick your costume, all right? Uh, actually, most of the time you do. I mean, you pick your costume every day, right? Or just someone I'm talking else. talking about, I'm quoting <laughs> Shazam to you. Oh, got you. Uh, uh, not the, familiar. Is the, you movie the movie any we good? just is the watched. Movie any good, <laughs> I haven't seen.
1: it. Jesus Christ.
2: Uh, the the but Peter Safran is a producer of these movies. He's like mm-hmm. had his hand in in these a lot. So there, his hand was already in this movie. But, but when he took over, so maybe it so was you, much easier you, to you make. Feel some
1: like movies. more saffron. You want more saffron? Is that what you? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's my favorite flavor.
1: <laughs> you
0: ever have some uh, saffron milk, Pete? I think you'd really enjoy. Uh, it.
2: Yum! It's prevalent.
0: expensive. No. We will be back next time with our thoughts on Shazam Fury of the Gods so do be sure to check that out if do you we- listen it do be, if you'd like to support this podcast and other <laughs> podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about the DCU, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Dad, you're doing a great job.
2: Dad, keep it up. I'm sorry I didn't make our triple bunk beds uh, this morning. I will as soon as I get home.